This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forgive and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome to everyone that is sharing our third act podcast today. I am pleased to have another terrific guest to hear about some amazing work being done to help a segment of our community that doesn't get enough attention. I hope our podcast can spread a little sunlight about a mission and the passion of an incredible individual that is going the extra mile to bring some love and smiles to mentally challenged young adults. My guest today is Reverend Rochelle Beckmeyer. Rochelle has been serving as senior pastor at Echo Christian Fellowship in Lake Orion, Michigan since June of 2008. Rochelle also works at Chrysler, now Stellantis. Interesting word choice, Rochelle, but we'll, we'll quiz you on that later. As an IT consultant, then as a direct employee in 2014, Prior to her work at Chrysler, Rochelle worked at General Physics of Troy as a technical writer, having received a Bachelor's of Arts in Scientific and Technical Communication from Michigan Technology University in May of 1993. And as she describes it, more important than the degrees and the credentials, she received Christ as her Lord and Savior in December 1997. Since that time, she has been increasingly consumed with the passion to see lives transformed through relationship with our Heavenly Father. In addition to her pastoral and career roles, she also serves as guardian to five mentally challenged and or cognitively challenged young adults, and importantly, is mom to her pride and joy adopted daughter, Sabrina. And if that is not enough, in 2019, Sabrina and Pastor Rochelle founded a separate nonprofit called Safe and Sound Ministries, focused on improving the quality of life to mentally ill and special needs individuals. Wow, Rochelle, <laughs> that is one amazing bio. I was like, I was waiting for I, Who's he talking about? <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I know if we look closely at the various dates in your bio, Every new opportunity and challenge you added to your life came from a passion to help others. But it is still amazing to me that you have such a full plate of responsibilities that take so much time and commitment. Do you ever lie in bed at night and say, good Lord, I know I asked for a direction in my life, <laughs> but is this really what you are thinking? I, I, I say this in jest, but please tell our listeners how this all came to be. Certainly. First, I will answer your question. Typically, when I hit, hit my head hits the pillow, I'm out. So <laughs> I don't usually get a chance to ask him that question. But honestly, if I was still awake, I probably would ask him like, really? 
it goes back to asking him that question, Lord, what is it that you want? Certain skill set, got a number of skills that I'm able to use. And early on in my walk with him, I realized that I really wanted to give everything to him and wanted to serve him with all of my life. And so that means saying yes. And it means saying yes to things that are a little scary and overwhelming. But when you do that, he's there. He provides everything you need. Let's just start from the standpoint, obviously, working at Chrysler and also leading a congregation of parishioners, that's a full-time job in itself. But then you added the nonprofit. You and Sabrina added the nonprofit. How did that come to be, please? Sure. So at one point, our building, the church building, needed renovations. And so we did a whole lot of work. Insurance got involved. Make a long story story really short. The work got done and I was we were sitting there and praying about how do you want to use this building, Lord? And what really he dropped in my heart was healing of the mentally ill. And which is pretty mind blowing if you've ever worked with, with folks with mental illness, you're like the best you can hope for is quality of life, is to help people right, overcome right. And, and get through and so you don't really see healing so much. But but that's what he dropped in my heart. And so I I was earnest in praying for that. And after that, we started to just see opportunities. The congregation we had was small then as well, but it started to change where we had more folks coming with mental illness, with cognitive issues and special needs. And until until now, our, our congregation is about 75% special needs of one form or another. And so in, in ministering and pastoring this congregation, we started to see the needs and started to see needs for Really for parenting, as, as I said it in the bio, a passion to see lives transform with the relationship, by the relationship with God. God is our Heavenly Father. So many are broken in their relationships with family, and you add to that maybe a, a chemical imbalance and add to that a cognitive disability, and it just makes it really hard to overcome. And, and coming in and, and becoming a guardian is one thing, and that's what I did. I first became a guardian of my teenager. She's not a teenager anymore, but she was 13 at the time, adopted her at age 15. And that is my dear Sabrina. She's 21 now and in college and just amazing. And so she was like the opening of the door when it comes to guardianship and becoming a volunteer mom. I'm not married, don't have any biological children, but <laughs> I have plenty of children. So at that point, shortly after that, one, a couple in our congregation, Danny and Joanna, had they, they were both living in an abandoned house together. They wanted to be married. But, but they had two different guardians in two different homes, and they just didn't want to be in those homes. And so I asked them what they wanted, and that's what they wanted, to be married. And I go, all right, let's figure this out. So I became their guardian. And as time went on, realized the importance of housing and how difficult it is to find housing for right. high-functioning right. adults, where folks are even young people that they don't need 24-hour care. They honestly don't even need somebody dispensing meds. They can do that. They just need a little bit of help. And so that's when Safe and Sound Ministry was birthed, really. We started talking about it in 2016, 2017, 2019 is when we incorporated. We became a, a nonprofit corporation. And of course, you got to have a board. And there was Sabrina standing right there. Um, we also have two other wonderful people on the board. My mom is one of them, Diana and Penny Schultz from Orion Township, who's just, if anybody, if you know her, you know that she's a, she's a firebrand. <laughs> she's a firecracker, too. She's just is always there. She has great ideas. And the thus was born Safe and Sound Ministries. I really did not expect to open the house in 2020, especially once the pandemic hit. Then it's like, well, this isn't going to happen. And it just did. God's, oh, pandemic, whatever. We're, we're going to do this anyway. And soon I was wondering if we were going to fill the house because we had five bedrooms and one person. That's my, one of my wards, Lonnie, and didn't know if we were going to be able to fill the house. And it was just going to keep coming out of pocket every month. 
And uh, here we are in June. We've got five people in the home. One um, has qualified to buy a home of her own. And so she's getting ready to spread her wings and graduate, if you will. But yeah, that's how we came to be where we are now. There are other services that we try to help people with too, but housing right now is our our focus. Talk about the house Mm -hmm. in Oxford that you now have completed. How did that really come about? I think there's a little story there as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the fish building, it's the Oxford Orient fish building. It was the, for a long time in Thomas, it's the north end of Oxford. And they've had a, a pantry there for a long time. They ended up buying a building in town. And so they were hoping to find a nonprofit or some other group to take over the building to buy it. And just nobody was biting. And we weren't in a position to buy it. And with cash on hand or anything, we weren't in a position yet to do that. And along comes John Belkowski, John and Sheila. Oh, my gosh, these guys, I tell you, they he's a contractor. And my mom is a realtor. So she knew him just through other projects. And so... She was a bulldog on trying to find people to buy this place. And so John came up and he, he caught it, caught the vision. He absolutely caught His passion is also to help folks that are recovering addicts as well. So we're going to probably see some, and there's a lot of overlap there, as you can imagine. So yeah, so he bought the house, snapped it up for whatever they were going, and then completely gutted the upstairs. There wasn't much there to begin with. It was just one big room, but then totally renovated it into a beautiful five-bedroom home, two full baths. Uh, laundry room, all of that. And then downstairs, we still had a couple of rooms where we have one of them we're using as uh, a workout room. And then a big room, we have a bunch of furniture. So it's become a furniture ministry where stuff just comes in and stuff goes out. It's just a fully uh, fully used building, <laughs> optimized. And you described to me earlier in a conversation, also in some of your information you sent, that these the residents they share responsibilities. They have real responsibilities. Can you go through that a little bit? Absolutely. And it really depends on their skill level and what they're able to do. Right now we have, well, Lila is, when she first came, she did not have a driver's license. She's in her her 40s and just never got one. And I was like, we're going to take care of that. So (laughs) it's one of the first things we did. She got a driver's license. We had a van donated to the ministry. And so she now provides transportation as needed. So that's probably one of of the bigger responsibilities. But day to day, people are they're responsible for cleaning up after themselves. That's a big thing. Lonnie likes to take care of the floor. So that's his thing that he does. Two, two of our newer folks, we're still trying to get a feel for, for where they're going to sit and what kind of work they're going to be doing. But I think probably the biggest thing is them cleaning up after themselves. But they all cook for themselves. Sometimes, like Kathy, she's newer. She loves to cook. And so she'll make these, these wonderful meals. She's, I've been up there to, to enjoy a couple of her meals as well. It's just a... Uh, yeah, it's good. And really, again, it's it's finding what their skills are, what their gifts are, and just drawing them out and helping them to, to maximize. I know you call it a family approach, mm-hmm. but the, the topic of supervision and legal responsibility does pop into my mind. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Please? Absolutely. We would like at some point to hire an executive director who would provide some more of the more like official supervision. One of our folks in the home, as I mentioned, Lila, she's really high functioning. She doesn't have a guardian or anything. So she reports to me. I'm operating as an executive director and so she'll report to me if there are issues coming up. I'll go in. I'm there once a week at least, sometimes a couple times just to check on things and address things. Like I was up there yesterday 
And uh, the, the, the two bathrooms, like the guys use one, the girls use the other one. It just happened that way. And the guy's bathroom, I'm telling you. It's hard when you're living there to be the one to be yelling at everybody all the time. It's just okay. I can do that. <laughs> so, so I'll go in there and just say, and what I love is it's an opportunity. This Actually, I, these things are, are difficult, but at the same time, they're an opportunity. Because what was cool is, is I said, okay, Lonnie and, and, and Nick, come on over here. And, and Nick's in my trouble. Not really, but I need your help with something. <laughs> And so we can approach it in more of a healthy family way of, okay, listen, right, we just need right. to do better. It's not, you're in trouble and I'm mad at you and I don't like you and all of that, which can so easily happen, even with folks without disabilities. It can just turn into some craziness. And so instead it's, okay, let's just figure out what we need to do. And I need your help. I'm doing this and this. And they agreed, they understood. And then right then they took care of cleaning. <laughs> and um, so we'll see. I'm going to keep an eye on that. But as far as supervision, I do that. One of them, Lonnie, is my ward. The others do not have a guardian, but they do have connections with what's called TPI. That's Training and Treatment Innovations in Oxford. CNS is a Pontiac version of that. And so they have people that are popping in the home periodically to discuss things with Lonnie anyway. And um, a, a couple others have had case managers as well. So we have that kind of oversight. Sabrina pops in and, and for her, it's more like a bubbly, friendly visit. And so that's nice. It's a nice thing. She doesn't have to be yelling at people. That's my job. So it's yeah, like a family, but somewhat supervised. And one of the big things um, is that if there's any lack, if they don't have food, if one of them doesn't have food or they're, they're, they're trying to figure out the, their connection with the Department of Health Services, um, I'm able to sit down with them at the computer. If they want to order something but they don't know how, I can sit down with them and help them use their debit card or computer stuff that a lot of folks struggle with. I want to get into some of the other services that you provide or Safe and Sound provides, but just talk about how new wards or residents come in and how they leave. But is it... Do you even have a plan of action yet, or is it just kind of each individual on their own sort of timetable? How does that work in your mind? Yeah, so you mean like helping them come up with a strategy for moving in and out? Well, each person, as you noted, each person is different and has a different map. You know, Lonnie's probably going to be long-term, so will Lila. So I ask them when we meet, we have an interview process that we go through. And part of what we're wanting to know is what are your goals? What's your plan? Do you want this to be temporary housing? Many times they'll say they want it to be long term, but then they realize what's what's possible for them. They they just think that, well, gosh, I just am happy to have a have a door with a key. And it's all oh, but there's a whole much more. And so they start to open up their mind to the possibility of right. more and then we help them do that, whatever it takes to help them get on to that next step if they need to. And there are times we've already had um one resident come through. That didn't work out. It is part of our, our process where we evaluate and, and keep an eye on things. And if there's just a continual disregard for rules or disregard for other people, other issues that they could be doing, then we, we don't just kick them out unless there's like blatant illegal activity going on. And it's like, okay, yeah, see you later. But mostly it's just folks that just having trouble. They really need to be somewhere supervised. Then we help them find another home. We'll take some time with them and help, try to help them find another place that's suitable for them. Just talk about the difference between for at least young adults that are physically challenged mm-hmm. between a foster care sort of help and what your group is doing at safe. Okay. So like a foster, say a foster situation when you've got either adult foster care or just even a minor adult foster care is 24 hour supervision. You have somebody there that that's living and there and responsible and it's paid staff. They usually, they'll also have homes that are just semi-supervised and they work at the behest of a guardian or somebody outside of the home that's giving direction. And I've done that with some of my wards, right? I'm in that role. And then there's somebody being a foster right, care right. person that I would re- that I reach out to. 
our home is not supervised, so we are not going to be licensed. It's not our plan. Some day down the road, maybe we'll get a licensed home, but it's really not our goal because that that niche, as far as I'm concerned, is filled. And I would love to be able to advocate and help people that are in a foster home to get better service and get everything that's available to them. And that's, we do that as well. So these five that we right, have right. are just this many. We have many others that we're reaching out to and helping, trying to help them in whatever circumstances they're in right now. So does that answer your question? Gotcha. Yeah, it does. It leads into the question of your growth priorities for more homes, mm. more houses, and house number two, so to speak. Yeah. You told me that you have a waiting list of individuals that would like a place to call home. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about plans for house number two and your long-term growth plans, if you would. Absolutely. We have, our dream is to open multiple homes. We don't have a set number. And in my mind comes the number five, but it could be more, it could be fewer. And honestly, I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's look for another house. And fortunately I have a board. But what we had decided is that, is that the three-year mark is to start really making serious plans about opening a second home. We're past the two-year mark now. So we would be looking sometime in 2022. To open our second home, of course, that doesn't mean that we can't help people find housing. But as far as our home, we really want, we're going to, we're establishing some KPIs, key performance indicators, making sure that what it is that we want to be doing, we're actually doing. And there's a lot that we can do better at the Thomas House. And so we want as far as our, our real prototype. But we have, I have another house where I've got some wards living that doesn't qualify as a town house. It's, yeah, hot mess are the words that come but to mind. I've heard that term before. I've heard that term oh, yeah. before. Let's talk about a little bit about these growth plans. You're a growing entity and you see this vision of, in front of you. Do you have a planned sort of budget? Are you going to uh, have events or fundraising activities? How do you see that playing out or happening? Yes, right now it's small fundraisers. We have a couple of larger churches that have adopted us and just uh, Auburn Hills Christian Center and Lake Point Community Church used to be Christ the King in Oxford. And so they both have come alongside and, and support both with projects as well as financing. And so that's been a huge blessing to be able to have that in place. But as far as for growth, we really want to be able to hire staff, hire somebody to be an overseer. And we also, of course, are looking at another home. So that means we need to do some right. real fund fundraising. So I'm casting in that looking for possibly hiring or looking to have somebody come on board to help plan some really good larger fundraisers. We are, we're in a community that loves to do that kind of stuff, that loves to participate in large fundraisers. They're all over it. Um, we just need to plan one. And I don't want to do it slap, slap, dash, throw together, which is a lot of times what I end up having to do, because if it's me, then that's what it's going to be. So yeah, so we right, want to do that. Right. We want to have, we would love to be able to even buy another house, but our contractor loves what we're doing still and wants to do another property. He would love to. So it, it could go either way. He could invest in another property or we could buy something. So either way that goes, a lot of that depends on money. So yeah, we do definitely want to want to get some good fundraisers going. Great, great. And talk about the contractor. Mm -hmm. He's the owner of the home, correct? Yes. Not safe and sound. Right. Is that correct? He is the owner okay. of the home. Okay. We have a lease with them. We lease the home, yep. and this kind of gives you a sense of how generous he is, as well as what it enables us to do with our people. Is is our home we're leasing and includes all utilities amazing and then our people each pay 400 a month and that are like enables them to have okay. all utilities paid um, so that was probably going to be a question at some point and that's about our price right. point that we, that we want to stick to wherever we go and whatever house we have it's about 400 a month that enables somebody with ssi 
to have a few hundred dollars in their pocket, to have a phone, to have other expenses taken care of, that sort of thing. So the house has cable, right. it has internet, all those things are provided for them. That leads into another question. You alluded to it in another answer, but the multitude of services where you advocate for these individuals in many different ways and applications. Can you just talk about that? Because it's pretty broad and you do a lot of great stuff. Oh, it is. It's huge. And where it, we tend to focus right now is an, in, in the area of guardianship, coming alongside folks that need a guardian or those that have a guardian and just we really want to help them get the services that they need and advocate with them for them with the guardian. And then also for medical help, because sometimes they just say maybe they don't have a guardian or they do, but they're not real hands-on. And so they end up going to doctor's appointments by themselves and they don't, they don't know how to answer questions. So they just say everything's fine <laughs> or they don't know how to fill out paperwork. And yeah, so I'll either go or I've got a couple of people that I can lean on to send. In fact, one of our folks I have as a, as a power of attorney for one of my wards because she takes them to doctor's appointments so much. And I'm like, this way, you don't have to try to get a hold of me in order to make a decision. Coming alongside and really helping them to get the most out of their benefits. And then we talked about this earlier, but it still blows me away. But you also help another subsector that is deeply in need. And those are individuals that may have learning disabilities mm -hmm. that are also either coming out of or involved with incarceration. Can you talk about that a little bit? This yeah. is another segment I know it's huge. that needs we our help. We could spend a whole half hour on I, that. Um, I know, I know. The, uh, three of my wards have actually been incarcerated. Um, one of them last year and the other two over the past five years. And, it's, and in the past as well, just because with mental illness and cognitive issues, both of those together especially, makes it hard. Makes it hard. They end up in a lot of really difficult situations and they blow up. And that's usually, it's usually violence of some sort, some kind of domestic violence or just them blowing up people not knowing what to do with them. So, right. So we come alongside them. I have one, one lady who's in uh, OCJ, Oakland County Jail right now. She's not, I'm not her guardian, but she's a part of our church. And so I reached out to her, make sure she has a Bible. She had, I'd ordered her some things that she didn't get. And so helping her meant me calling the chaplaincy office and say, hey, I sent some stuff in, what happened? Just to make sure, again, that she's getting what she needs, not only what she's entitled to, so to speak, but also just to help her thrive even while she's there. It's amazing in various circumstances where people can thrive. They really can. They can step up. It's not just a, a loss and they're just a lost cause. Now, I don't believe anybody's a lost cause. And getting back to the house mm -hmm. issue, if a person has a past or current addiction mm -hmm. or a drug problem or alcohol problem, is that a no-no for the house residents or have you you keep an open mind about we that? We keep an open mind in terms of their past. If they have an active addiction right now, obviously we love them and want to help them find whatever care that they need. And that will usually involve, hey, let's try to find you a halfway house or some kind of treatment program. He decided on a year. Once you have a year clean, then okay, let's look. It's hard to put a time on it, though, because addicts will tell right, you that, right, right. well, you know, I was five years clean. And then so it's hard to put a time on it. But we had decided on a year. When it comes to anything in the past, it's a case by case basis. The, the one individual I told you that we did have to move out, he had a past. But we, we took we gave him a chance and took a look at it and let him know that he's going to be on probation. And and, and it, honestly, the issues that came up weren't related to what he had been in, in jail for. It was other stuff that he was dealing with. It's not just a no. It's what they call a no in a yes way. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression, but it's one of my favorites. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I totally get it. So the residents, they pay their rent mm -hmm. nominally, yeah. 400 bucks. 
but all the services you provide mm-hmm. are totally free, correct? Yes. So anything you do on the advocacy side mm-hmm. or services or all that is completely on the nonprofit. Non- yep, correct? it's completely yep. on the nonprofit. Yep. It's volunteer. Yep. Any expenses that and come up many- get covered by the donations that we've received. Oh, that gets into my next point. I know that it takes money to both carry the cost of everything, Mm -hmm. cost of living, as well as all these services you're providing and Sabrina and others that are helping out. I know you have a support donate button on your website. I want to invite, and we'll put this on the show notes. We have a number of compassionate listeners on the podcast and anyone that would like to get involved with Rochelle and what she's doing is so tremendous. I invite everyone to take a look and I'll also put on your contact information if people want to get in, in touch with you. But I think it's so tremendous what you're doing. And I think it's really dynamite that you've <laughs> taken your full career and just added a whole new layer of, oh my gosh, more responsibility that I can't imagine too many people being able to to deal with. But you're doing it. And I God bless you for what you're doing. It's really tremendous. Thank you, Roger. Thank you so much for having me on your show. As you have plans for your fundraising for the second house, Please let me know, and we can uh, certainly uh, let our listeners and readers hear about that. And I'd like to continue to follow up with you if that's possible. That would be wonderful. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for your time. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know our listeners will find it very informative. So thank you very thank much. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com. And really let it go And most of all I want to shine a light on good And look to give back And that's what I'll do With my third